Good. Welcome, everybody. So good to see all of you here today. And um, so we're doing a series called Breakthrough, and we're talking about prayer. This morning, specifically, we're talking about prayer and the Holy Spirit. And um, essentially, I'm going to be sharing part of my journey with you. So that's not, it's not really a sermon this morning. I'm going to be sharing my story, a few scriptures, and I believe a, a message, a, a teaching, a very simple teaching. Let me just throw that out there. But also, just, just as, a, as a heads up, the story, my personal story, is, might be more charismatic or Pentecostal than you may be used to. So just to put that out there, just, just so you know. Okay. So I'm going to start with this story. A few years ago, I went to the Global Leadership Summit that um, happens every year. Uh, it's happening in all Kloof and Mklanga again this coming weekend. So a few years ago, I went to one of these, and I met this guy who I now became, I'm now friends with. And um, we connected, and we, through a relationship, he invited me to um, his church one day. So now he's trying to set me up just to, just, just to prepare my spirit for what I'm about to receive at, at his church. So he basically, like, he had these cool words, and I'm like, are you saying to me it's, it's going to be charismatic? And he says, yes. I was like, okay, fantastic. I get you. <laughs> so I rock up at this church, and it was very charismatic. It, it, was, it was amazing. It was a completely different culture to us, but it was, it was amazing. And um, so then this pastor starts preaching, and then God starts doing things that I was like, what is happening here? I mean, I've heard things like this happen before. I've never physically seen it, but God's busy doing things that shook my theology, essentially. So God healing people in front of my eyes. It was amazing. And then eventually he came to me. And um, I just the day before spent a day in, in retreat just trusting God for stuff. And, and he came to me and literally almost point by point went through every single thing I'd prayed about the day before. Having met me from a bar of soap. A few years after that, I'm sitting in my office. I'm preparing a sermon. And, uh, and I felt like God was pressing so strongly in my spirit this question, why aren't you spiritual anymore? And I was like, hmm, that, Lord, is a good question. I knew what God was asking me. He was basically saying, why are you working from the flesh in every area of your life? Why are you doing ministry or striving from the flesh? Why in your relationships are you fighting in the flesh? Why in your relationship with Kara are you battling in the flesh? Why in your finances are you battling in the flesh? Easy answer. We've got our tools and strategies. We just went to Global Leadership Summit. We just applied a few principles, Lord. We know how to do this. Just like the Tower of Babel, we can build on our own strength. It's fantastic. But then I had to process a little bit more, and I had to actually just go back to God and say, I have to be honest, Lord, the reason I think I'm not in that zone anymore is because I didn't actually see you doing the things I was trusting you for. I had to just be open. I was thinking it in my heart anyway. I might as well express it to God so that we could process this thing together. In that moment, I realized, I remembered my friend. My, this pastor friend is also now my mentor. So I phoned him up. I said, listen, don't know how this thing works, but I'm sensing God's calling me into a specific space. Would you be able to help me understand the work of the Holy Spirit a little bit better? Then very patiently, over a period of like six months or so, every Wednesday, he met with me for an hour in my lunch break, and he would just teach me from Scripture. And he says, Jacques, in my culture, these oaks would be striving to see signs and wonders, and that's the sole thing they focus for. He says, all you need to do is relax and trust God for the fruit of the Spirit. Whenever you see Jesus moving, it wasn't from a position of um, fame. He flowed with the Spirit and the fruit of the Spirit, and that's how it worked. And, and it was amazing. But as he was speaking to me, something weird started happening in my spirit, and I encountered God, the presence of the Holy Spirit, 
or whatever you want to call it, in a way that I never encountered before. Never encountered before. It shook me to my core at one encounter in Pastor Jonathan Abici's office on one Wednesday afternoon at 12 o'clock. It changed everything in my life. The way I do relationships, the way I pray. My prayer life has been absolutely revolutionized because of that one encounter that shook me completely. It changed everything. My ministry, the way I work with people, etc. And part of that story I'm going to share with you in just a little bit. So I'm going to get into the teaching. So we're talking prayer and the Holy Spirit. Prayer and the Holy Spirit. So the first thing I want to highlight is the fact that the Holy Spirit is a person. Holy Spirit is a person. The Holy Spirit is not an invisible force or power that does God's work here on earth. That's critical, okay? So let me tell you why I think that's so important for us to understand because I think sometimes we think the Holy Spirit is just a, a presence or a force and ignore the Holy Spirit as a person and therefore neglecting fellowship with the Holy Spirit. But I had this friend who God saved from a sect. So part of the core foundational belief system or theology of the sect was that the Trinity isn't a thing. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit is not a thing. The Holy Spirit is not God and is purely a force that does the work of God here on earth. Not a personal, not a person. So if I can't have, I can't have a relationship with a force, if I can have a relationship with the Holy Spirit, it has to be a person. And we see through Scripture that the Holy Spirit has a mind, a will, and emotions. According to John 16, the mind of the Spirit is, in fact, the mind of Christ. So the Holy Spirit thinks like Jesus. It has a will. We see in the book of Acts that the apostles were doing missions. And the Holy Spirit stopped them, stopped them from going to Asia. These guys were on mission, doing the work of God, and the Holy Spirit said, no. It will. Don't go there. I'm forbidding you to go there. They listened and obeyed, just to throw that out there. We know that the Holy Spirit has emotions. The Holy Spirit can be grieved. The Holy Spirit can experience joy, and we can experience the joy of the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit is a person. You can't have a relationship with a force. You can have a relationship with someone who has a mind and a will and emotions. This is absolutely critical. Because if you don't understand that the Holy Spirit is a person, you can't see the Holy Spirit as being part of the Trinity, and you will undermine the work of the Spirit. The Holy Spirit is part of the Trinity. He is God here on earth, dwelling, dwelling in us. Right, first point, the Holy Spirit is a person. Second thing I want to highlight is this, that the Holy Spirit wants fellowship with us. The Holy Spirit wants to fellowship with us. So I'm going to read you a short verse in 2 Corinthians um, 13, verse 14. It says, speaks about three different, the, the Trinity actually. It says, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ speaks about the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. I'm just going to pause here. You can go read the whole thing in context by yourself at a later stage. But this, we're addressing the Trinity, seeing the grace of Jesus. So if we say, if I had to ask any believer that's been a Christian for a very short period of time to explain to me what you think the grace of Jesus means, we would all have formed some sort of theology. We've got some idea how I got saved, what grace actually means, and that none of us deserve to be Christians, but it's actually only by the grace of Jesus who died on the cross for me that I can receive salvation. We know that. We understand the gospel. That's the very essence of the gospel, is that we get saved by faith through grace. You cannot save yourself out of your own strength. We know that, Right? We speak about the love of the Father. We know the love of the Father. It's because of the love of the Father that he sent Jesus. We especially love going to the Old Testament when we think of God the Father. Think of God, God the Son in the New Testament, but often we go to the Old Testament for God the Father. 
We see his powerful works and how he used to work with people and how he dealt with sin. Because God is holy. We can be sinful. In fact, we inherited sin because of Adam. So we are sinners before we even sinned. It's amazing. We inherited it by Adam. Sinful. Separated from God. Then God loves us. And he reveals his love to us through Jesus Christ. We've got theology around this. We can even quote the names of God. Jehovah Jireh, Jehovah Nisi. All those names, right? Then we get to the last part there. The fellowship of the Holy Spirit. Let's write down our theology around the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. Then when I tried to write down my theology around the fellowship of the Holy Spirit, there was crickets. What's that? Fellowship of the Holy Spirit. Because the definition of fellowship is having at least two people coming together, interacting and communicating on various levels. Fellowshipping. So the Holy Spirit wants to fellowship with us. This person of the Trinity wants to fellowship with us. Have communion with us. And for me, I don't know about you, but for me, this was a massive, massive lack in my personal journey in my relationship with Christ. That moment in Pastor Jonathan's office shifted that for me. Started fellowshipping with the Holy Spirit. Things started changing. The way I prayed started changing. And even the outcome of my prayers started shifting because I said, Lord, I can't do this. But you can. God, you're with us right now. The fellowship of the Holy Spirit. So, so God speaks to us. I want to quickly read us a passage of Scripture. It's in John 16 from verse 1 to 15. It's a, it's a lengthy piece of Scripture, so bear with me. I'm going to read the first five chapters and then slow down a bit. It says this. This is Jesus speaking, by the way. He says, um, I've said these things to you to keep you from falling away. Now he's going to list these things. To keep you from falling away. They will put you out of the synagogues. Indeed, the hour is coming when whoever kills you will think they are offering service to God. And they will do these things because they have not known the Father nor me. But I have said these things to you, that when their hour comes, you may remember that I told them to you. Okay, let's pause there. So Jesus is saying, guys, persecution's coming. Just so you know. I'm telling you now so that when it happens, you won't leave the faith. I'm prophesying in advance what's coming. So now you know. The next verse, he says, I did not say these things to you from the beginning. See, Jesus is communicating strategically here. Because I was with you. So he's saying, I didn't tell you about this persecution thing when you met me in the beginning. Because I was with you. You didn't need to know this yet. So he strategically releases this information to them now. I'm going somewhere with this, so just bear with me again. Verse 5. But now that I'm going away, now that I'm going to him who sent me, and none of you ask me, where are you going? Because I've said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper, the paraclete, will not come to you. Let's pause there. So the word helper, also, the word helper or the comforter, Jesus is saying, I'm going to send you a comforter or the paraclete who's going to come and be with you. So the picture we form often around this comforter thing is you go through life, you get your wounds, you get hurt, and then you, at the end of the day you sit on your bed and then the comforter comes and comforts you. That's not what the word paraclete means. It means as you journey, the Holy Spirit is there with you, comforting, guiding you, teaching you. But the Holy Spirit is there. So we see this picture from Jesus doing ministry with people, communicating strategically. Now he's introducing the Holy Spirit. The helper will come to you. But if I go away, I will send him to you. Verse 8. And when he comes, you will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Concerning sin, because they did not believe in me. Can I just quickly highlight the, 
the importance and power of that very specific verse. It says, conviction of sin, we, this specific verse, when we quote this verse, we must quote it in context. It says, the Holy Spirit will come and convict the world of sin, and he said, the sin is the sin of unbelief. John 3, verse 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whosoever does not believe in him will perish. Verse 17 says, he didn't come into the world to condemn the world because those who don't believe are condemned already. So the Holy Spirit comes to those who don't believe and then he convicts them of that sin so that they can believe. Then the Holy Spirit can teach and change into the character, to the JC of life. Okay, cool. So the Holy Spirit comes and he convicts the world. Let's continue. Concerning sin, judgment and righteousness. Concerning sin, because he, um, those who didn't believe in me. Verse 10. Concerning righteousness, because I go to the Father and you'll see me no longer. Concerning judgment, because the ruler of this world has been judged. Okay. So the Holy Spirit's going to come. He's got a work and task to do here on earth. Important communication is about to come. So Jesus is revealing some of the work of the Holy Spirit. Verse 12. I've said many things to you, but you cannot hear them all now. Can't, Jesus can't tell them everything now. When the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into the truth. The Holy Spirit guides us into truth. And he will speak. He will not speak on his own authority. But, but whatever he hears he will speak, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. So the Holy Spirit, Jesus speaks, gives strategic communication, then he says, I can't tell you everything now, but I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit who will tell you all the things you need to know. And then we also see, according to John 14, that he will glorify Jesus. For he will take what is mine and declare it to you. So the Holy Spirit declares to us what belongs to Jesus. So the Holy Spirit is absolutely vital in the life of a believer. If we don't understand fellowship of the Holy Spirit, I think we miss out on all these things that Jesus just promised us we get to fellowship. So God wants to fellowship with us, okay? That's critical. He wants to speak to you and then he wants us to respond. And I believe it's when we fellowship with Christ, when we fellowship with the Holy Spirit, that we then receive, according to 1 Corinthians 2, the mind of Christ. I'm gonna read that verse quick and then I'm gonna speak on this. 1 Corinthians 2, verse 14. The person without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God, but considers them foolishness or folly, some translation says, and cannot understand them because they are discerned only through the Spirit. So if you don't have the Spirit, you can't understand the things of the Spirit. The person with the Spirit will make judgments, will make judgments about all things, but such a person is not subject to merely human judgments. For who has known the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? And the last part said, but we have the mind of Christ. We have the mind of Christ. Okay, let's pause there from the verses for a bit. Let's just talk. So I, as a, I'm a pastor, so I've studied theology. It took me five years to get my qualification, and I had to do a million ministry integrated learning. It was amazing stuff, but never did I quite understand, even in my studies, how to hear from God. Learn everything. Dogmatics. I mean, I'm not even going to go through. Learn everything. But hearing from God, it's not there. It's no course. How does how you hear from God? So now as a pastor, I'm trying to hear from God, but I'm hearing crickets. Lord, please speak to me. Crickets. No, nothing. And then because I studied, I know. The answer to that question is if you don't hear from God, you read Scripture because God has already spoken. So if you're struggling, that's also good advice, just by the way. If you're not hearing God, please read Scripture. God has spoken and will speak to you through Scripture. But I had this intense desire, alongside with reading Scripture, to also hear the voice of God. Jesus says, those who follow me will know my voice. And I'm like, 
Jesus, I don't know your voice. It just sounds like white noise. Apparently there's something like pink noise as well. I can't hear you. I can't hear you. I can't hear you. So frustrating. I didn't share this in the first service, but I'm going to share with you. It was so intense for me that I said to God, I was like, Lord, if, if I, I feel like, God was seeing my heart anyway, I feel like you're an absent father. I speak to you and you don't respond. And then just shortly after that, why aren't you spiritual anymore? I heard God pressing in my spirit. That moment in Pastor Jonathan's office, everything shifted because I understood that I have the mind of Christ, okay? Now this thing just blew my mind when I understood this. Let me tell you a quick story. And I got permission from the actual guy who received this thing from God to share this story. So I met with a group of leaders not too long ago. And they were asking, to. so I said I was gonna speak about the presence of God. And uh, the question I posed was, and what do we call it when we say God showed up? I really, God, God was really present in that meeting. That's sometimes language we use. And the idea throughout was that, that language theologically is incorrect. God doesn't show up. He's always here. He's omnipresent. Not only is he omnipresent, but the spirit of God dwells in us. Okay? That's, that's awesome. So God dwells in us. So when we say God showed up, it doesn't make sense because it was there all along. But the truth is, if you're a believer, you know what I'm talking about. There are moments in your journey that you encounter God in a different way, maybe during worship. Busy worshiping, God does something, and I know that God's presence is there. The best language you could come up with was the manifest presence of the Lord. There's lots of scripture for that, by the way, manifest presence of the Lord. And then we just said, guys, let's pray for this. Who wants to experience the manifest presence of the Lord? And everybody said yes. And I was like, Debbie, it's going to take long now. Because we had to pray for everyone individually, and then we did. It was amazing. Then God showed up, and people encountered the manifest presence of God. People were sharing words of knowledge with one another. Can you imagine the gifts of the Spirit still flowing today? It's amazing. And then at the end, they said, Jacques, can we pray for you? And I said, yes, but who needs healing? Then as I said it, I was like, oh, no, bro. Why did you say that? And then no one said anything, crickets. And then, then, then I just knew this guy in front of me. I said, Ralph, is it you? He goes, yes. I said, is it your back? He goes, yes. I said, is it your lower back? He goes, yes. How did you know? And then peace next to him goes, he's like, Jacques, I carry all those guys' boxes. He can't carry a single heavy box. I'm like, okay, no, no, no. Come sit here, Ralph. And then there goes Ralph. He sits on this chair. And I said, guys, bring another chair. And they bring another chair. And he puts his legs on the thing. And I don't know why I told him to do this. And he sits down on his one leg. is shorter than the other leg. And then... I say, guys, come look here. I'm like, bro, why did you do that? Now I'm calling people to come see. Now they're looking at Ralph's legs here. Guys, can you see his leg? One leg shorter than the other leg. They go, yo, yo. That's hectic. And then we pray, Lord, in Jesus' name, heal him. Instantaneously, he got healed. To this day, peace didn't have to carry another single box for Ralph. Right? Not a single box. The reason I tell you this story is because afterwards I was like, bro, why did you say that? And I was confident. I'm like, who needs healing? Come on now. <laughs> God, God didn't heal anyone. God doesn't heal everyone I prayed for. But in that moment, I felt like God was saying, pray for someone. I was like, why did you say that? And then once you said that, why did you tell people to come in? How did you know, by the way, that his lower back is sore? How did you know what happened? I don't know. I don't know. Then why did you tell him to sit? And why did you call the people to come look at his foot? Bro? That's just a recipe for disaster. Why did you do that? And then we prayed and then he got healed. And then that verse came to me. 
I have the mind of Christ. We have the mind of Christ. Why did I say who needs healing? Because Christ told me to say who needs healing. How did I know that his back was sore? Because Jesus knew his back was sore. Why did he get healed? Because God chose to heal him. He doesn't heal everyone we pray for, but he chose to heal him because we have the mind of Christ. And now when I speak about hearing the voice of God, I understand in that zone. I do in the moment as the Spirit tells me. I don't hesitate. God speaks and I do. We have the mind of Christ. Last point. God does his work here on earth through the Holy Spirit. That's a big one. Right in the beginning of time, we see the Holy Spirit hovered over the waters or brooded over the waters. What brooding means to incubate. So from the beginning of time, the Spirit of God was working here on earth. Then we see it right throughout the New Test- Old Testament as well as the New Testament. And we, see th- we read things like the Spirit of the Lord came upon Samson, for example. And now when the Spirit of the Lord came upon Samson, this guy gets very bold. He grabs a wet jawbone and kills a thousand men. Has a thousand men. I could probably take max two of you. Maybe three if some of you are smaller, right? Here's Samson with a, 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 a thousand men. The Spirit of the Lord came on him. Because the Spirit of the Lord came on this fleshly man, encountered something godly here on earth. We see the same thing happening with David. The Spirit of the Lord came on David, miraculous things happened, or supernatural things happened. The same thing with Saul. Same thing with Mary, the mother of Jesus. Scripture says, the Spirit of the Lord came upon her. She became pregnant as a virgin with Jesus Christ. So God works through a spirit here on earth. Then we see Acts, the book of Acts. Listen to this verse. Acts chapter 2, verse 17. This is a prophecy that Joel prophesied. In the last days... God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. But, but the point here is, no longer is the spirit going to come upon select individuals, Samson, David, Saul, Mary. No, no, no. The scripture says, in the last days, your spirit will be poured out on all flesh. All flesh. Every single one of us have access to the same God who raised people from the dead. That same God dwells in us. And he wants to have fellowship with us. He wants to give us the mind of Christ. And the Holy Spirit moves, Scripture says, like a wind, wherever he wants to go. I'm going to share another testimony with you. I'm sharing these stories with you to give God glory. Acts 1 verse 8 says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witness. So I'm sharing testimonies of what God is doing. So there's... Uh, this ministry that feeds um, people in the city, people who are hungry, living in shelters, etc. And I was invited to be part of this ministry. For the, every quarter they have like this big event. They call people from the community, about 120 to 150 people show up and, and we feed them and then we share a devotion, give some scripture and uh, then they go home with a with full tummy. So I went and I shared a sh- short devotion and afterwards, randomly, people just came for prayer. I'm like, what? This is new. I've done this before. What's happening? Randomly, people came for prayer. So this one guy comes to me. He's like, Jacques, can you pray for me? He didn't say Jacques. He didn't know my name. He said, can, I just don't want to lie to you. I just need to keep the, keep, the, keep, keep the story true. So he came to me and he said, can you pray for me? I was like, yeah, for sure. He said, I just came out of prison yesterday. I said, oh. I said, why do you go to prison? He says, well, mostly because of hunger. So I'm like, okay. 
He says, when I get hungry, I steal, and then when I steal, I get caught, and now that's, that's my cycle. So I said, okay, cool. So now I pray for this guy. And then, so just again, this is one of those parts that might be slightly more charismatic than you're used to. All right. So as I'm praying for this guy, this oak starts coiling like a snake in front of me. I'm like, what's happening? This oak, God delivered this man from, a, from demon possession instantaneously when the Holy Spirit moved. Instantaneously, this guy was set free. Manifested, God set him free. Another lady comes to me and she says, Jacques, can you pray for me? You've got a situation. But my husband's over there or my partner's over there. Can you please call him? I want to pray for, can you pray for him as well? So she calls him, he comes forward, but he's standing like 20 meters away from me and he's just glaring at me like this with a hoodie, black hoodie. In the middle, 12 o'clock, he's sweating, it's hot. Take the hoodie off, bro. He's standing just glaring at me like this. And she calls him, then he comes forward and she says, listen, can Jacques pray for you? And he goes, he's still looking at me like this. I'm standing here. He's like, oh, you can pray for me? And I'm like, I say to him, dude, you do know that Jesus, Jesus will never force you to do anything you don't want to do. Please feel free to not be prayed for. Really, I won't be offended at all. I'm going to pray for your partner, but you can go if you want to. And he says, no, no, you need to pray for me. And then he turns towards me eventually. So then I start praying for this guy and the presence of the Holy Spirit was just so tangible. The next moment I see in my... I just see this picture in my mind of a goat-like creature with horns. So I don't know what it means, but all of a sudden I find myself speaking to this guy. I say, witchcraft. He goes, yes, I'm a Satanist. How did you know? I'm like, oh, God knows. I don't know nothing. Bro. What are you doing? He's glaring at me like this. I started praying for this guy. Got an opportunity to preach the gospel, the love of God, the grace of Jesus, fellowship of the Holy Spirit. And this guy received Jesus right there in the middle of the day. After his belly was filled, he got filled with the power of God in that moment. He became a Christian. Surrendered his life to Jesus. Couldn't say the name of Jesus while I was, yes, thank you. Yeah, thank you. Jesus, Jesus, yeah. It's amazing. He couldn't say the name Jesus until God delivered him. Became a Christian. Right after that, another man comes to me, tall guy. I was looking up at him like this. Everybody looks like that to me. <laughs> so this guy comes to me. He's like, Jacques, he knew my name. Jacques, can you pray for me? He says, my knee, I was in an accident. My knee got hurt, and it's, I can't walk across. He's limping, limping. So I say, sure, I'll pray for you. Why not? So now I tell him to sit down, and I put my hand on his knee, and as we trusting God for healing, I could feel his knee, things moving under my hand as God's healing this guy. The reason I tell you this story is because God, the point was, God uses the Holy Spirit to do his work here on earth, and he moves however he wants the guy who was in prison needed to be delivered from demonic demon possession. The guy who was a Satanist needed to be set free from worshiping the devil. This other man just needed healing, couldn't walk, couldn't go get food because everything was a grind, literally a grind for him. God uses the Spirit to move here on earth. I'm going to wrap up this message and we're going to pray now. We're going to pray. So I'll ask everybody to stand up. I'm going to call the band to come forward. And um, I want to pray for. You, we're going to have a team of people in front of you. If there's any leaders or if you feel led by the Spirit to come pray with us, maybe you don't need prayer, but you want to pray with us, please come pray with us. Um, we're going to pray for you, okay, about anything. Nothing is off the table. If you need prayer, if you need the Spirit of God to move in your life in a certain area, we're going to pray for that right now. First service was magnificent. I was amazed. Rich, Rich and I were the only two people. The next moment, there's like, I don't know, lots of people. And then 700 people came for Seven, online, 700 people, Rich said, with confidence, not even flinching as he told it non-truth. But the point is, God's already speaking to you. The Spirit is already stirring right now. 
You know you should be coming for prayer, but you're resisting in your flesh, don't. Just surrender to God. Is that okay? First, I'm going to pray just a general prayer for all of you, and then we're going to invite you to the front and let the Holy Spirit do what it wants to do. Let's pray. Father, we praise you in Jesus' name. Thank you that you cannot, you cannot be defined or boxed in by our limited thinking. You are infinite, and we are finite. No man can fathom how big you are. So my systematic theology can never box you in. You do what you want to do. So Holy Spirit, I pray as we speak about fellowship with the Holy Spirit. When you come fellowship with us right now? When you start moving just in this building? Bring healing, restoration, whatever you want to do, just move like a wind. Just this is a simple message. Message was God speaks. We listen, and then we obey. That was it. If God is speaking to you, listen, and then obey. So Father, we glorify you. Pray for your manifest presence in this building right now. Pray that you would be the one getting all the glory for your magnificent works that you've done, that you've done through Christ, through the cross, and what you are doing now and that you will continue doing, that you will receive all the glory. And I pray that we would never become so arrogant as to think that we are great. Never. But we will listen and obey. Even if it's as simple as just giving someone an orange. Speak to us, Lord. In Jesus' name. Amen and amen.